75% of Uganda's population are young people below the age of 30. So this potentially creates conditions for Uganda to move fast towards its own development objectives. Those are the small businesses that commercial banks don't want to touch. We shall keep supporting them to a point that they can be taken up by the commercial banks. We believe that if beekeeping is taken to a level where farmers understand it as a business and do it at economic scale, it's going to improve on their livelihoods. You're listening to The Lid Is On with me, Connor Lennon. This is the first episode of a special mini-series showing how the UN is working to reduce the development gap between northern Uganda, which hosts a large number of refugees from South Sudan and the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and the rest of the country. I went to visit some of the projects supported by the UN Capital Development Fund, or UNCDF, a part of the organization dedicated to helping people in the world's least developed countries benefit from public and private finance and improve their livelihoods. Before heading to the north, I met Dmitry Pozhidayev, the head of the UNCDF's Uganda office in the capital Kampala, who explained to me that, under the right conditions, Uganda could be an economic powerhouse. But the key, he says, is getting the right financing to those who need it. Uganda has uh, a lot of promise. Uh, just a couple of uh, statistics. Uganda has 50% of all arable land in East Africa. 75% of Uganda's population are young people below the age of 30. So this potentially, potentially, creates uh, uh, conditions for Uganda to move fast towards the achievement of the sustainable development goals and its, its own development objectives. But to unlock that potential, uh, you need to invest into building the systems that would uh, allow the country to use that potential and, uh, among other things, also to find and apply various financial solutions to make sure that there is adequate financing for whatever plans, development plans, they have. Dmitry Pozhidayev, head of the UNCDF's Uganda office. After talking to Dmitry and his colleagues, it was time to hit the road and take the 10-hour trip north, taking in towns, villages, and a national park. One of the reasons the journey takes so long is the varying quality of the roads. These range from tarmacked highways in the south, roads with large potholes, and dirt tracks. The poor state of the transport infrastructure, particularly in the north, illustrates the many challenges that Uganda still needs to overcome. But amidst these problems, Entrepreneurs in the north are looking for ways to better themselves and their communities, and the UN is accompanying them on their journey. These innovative solutions range from low-cost solar power, projects that help farmers to access the online economy, and the construction of sustainable, thriving markets. But on this episode, we're literally delving into the hive mind. This is Arua a region full of bees, honey, and beekeepers. I'm 
Betty Ayakoru is one of them. A local councillor, she's been beekeeping for 15 years, supporting four children through school in the process. She told us how she got into the honey-making business. What motivated me to go into beekeeping was largely the skills I got from various sources. There are different groups that have come to train farmers in beekeeping. So I got involved in those trainings and after acquiring those skills, I got motivated to start beekeeping. Over years, beekeeping has helped me a lot. I have been able to raise money, some of which I use to pay school fees for my children and uh, some of it to support my home. Uh, we also eat honey. I've realized that it is also a healthy product to consume. So I have also realized health benefits. And uh, of course, when we sell, that money is what sustains us. As a local councillor, Ms Ayakoru has a particular concern for her community. And as she explained, beekeeping is helping them in ways that go far beyond simply selling honey. The community has benefited from beekeeping in a number of ways. One is from selling the product as it is. But they have also, we have also gotten skills of mini processing. So once we extract the honey, the community uses the residues to fertilize their gardens. And there are those who keep small stocks like animals like pigs, and the pigs eat the residues a lot, and it is healthy for them. However, Ms. Ayakoro and her community have in the past had to deal with many of the problems faced by those in the informal economy, such as a lack of a regular market for their produce and low prices. But the prospects for Arua's beekeepers have picked up ever since the launch of Honey Pride. In it. Now, if all that colony gets aggressive and attacks you, you know the venom is so strong. Honey Pride is owned and run by Sam Edirobu, a local businessman who wanted to start a company that would have a positive impact on his community. He told me that Honey Pride is the first company in the region to invest in beekeepers and help them to improve their working practices and their honey. For a very long time, people were doing it in traditional way, towards a hobby. But Looking further, we actually realized that it has a big potential to be done uh, on economic scale. So what we decided to do was to start a business that will give guidance to farmers in terms of uh, providing them with the skills, but most importantly, the market. Because part of the challenges the farmers used to face was the fact that they will produce this product without any formal support, but then the buyers will come and blame them for producing poor quality product. And yet there was nobody investing in supporting farmers in terms of improving quality. So one of the biggest um, services we provide to these farmers is the market, ready market and uh, fairly competitive in terms of giving offer per product price. So that market motivates farmers to produce more and by engaging farmers in that we are giving them uh, alternative employment 
because we believe that if beekeeping is taken uh, to a level where farmers understand it as, as, as a business and they do it uh, at economic scale, it's going to improve on their livelihoods. Since we went into this business in 2015, a kilo of honey, combed honey, was going at 3,500. As we speak, five, six years down the road, it's now between 7,000 and 8,000 per kilogram. So you can see this has been a very big growth in the, in, the, in, the, in the price. So that has motivated very many farmers now to go into beekeeping. Certainly our target has been women, because women and the youth have been fairly marginalized. And because of the emerging trends and the growing unemployment, we have picked keen interest in supporting uh, women and the youth in this project. But generally, we think all our farmers should engage in beekeeping because it's a good project to earn a living. Give me some examples of how you've changed people's lives. They have been able to earn uh, incomes from beekeeping and that income has enabled them to afford basic necessities, things like shop, they are, now they can't go hungry in a day, especially uh, when they harvest and they sell their product. They are able, it has market, available market. So the fact that they are able to sell and earn an income and use that income to acquire basic necessities has changed their lives. And uh, some of them have gone into acquire property, uh, small stock animals like goats, chicken. Uh, many admit that they have been able to use some of this money to pay school fees for their children. And uh, in fact, we are developing a product where we would like farmers to come and get facilities to address those kind of short-term challenges. And uh, eventually they can pay us back using honey because we are here to stay to support the farmers in terms of market, in terms of skills. And so, yes, from what we have uh, got from interaction with the farmers, beekeeping is changing their lives. Could you explain some of the challenges that you face in the business? What are the main financial challenges? Yes, as, as, as a business, we face a lot of challenges, particularly as a uh, small and medium enterprise. One of the biggest challenges, which many people usually say, don't talk about, is the actual financial challenge. Because the truth is that finances are the lifeline of a business. So if there is no finance in a business, you cannot actualize any idea. So uh, finances has been one of our biggest challenges. And because of this, you can't sustain um, manpower. You, are, you, you attract good quality uh, uh, stuff, but because you don't have adequate finances to support or sustain them, you have very high staff turnover. Um, yes, the market has been slow growing. Uh, part of the reason also is that you have a product you have put on the market and uh, you don't have the capacity to sustain that market. Sam Adirubo owner and founder of Honey Pride, on the financial challenges faced by his business, which is described by the UN Capital Development Fund as a prime example of the missing middle companies in Uganda. Ivan Damalura, an investment officer at UNCDF Uganda, explains. 
Those are the small businesses that uh, commercial banks don't want to touch. So we shall support, we shall keep supporting them under the start facility until they reach at that point that they have graduated to a point that they can be taken up by the commercial banks, by the equity funds. And for Honey Pride specifically, they have already been approached by over two private equity firms that are ready to put in additional financing. The discussions are still premature, but uh, they have already been approached and the equity firms have already expressed uh, interest in uh, investing more in uh, Honey Pride Arua because of our investment that went in under the start facility. Ivan Damalura from the UN Capital Development Fund describing the support that UNCDF has given Honey Pride through its start facility, which provided loans for vital equipment, and how it's helping to position the company for greater success. To get that help, however, Honey Pride first had to show how it was making a real difference to the community and also that it has the potential to make an even greater impact. The major reason why we invest in it, it is because of its inclusive model. They work with over uh, 1,792 farmers, of which about 30% uh, are women and uh, about 60% uh, are youth. We focus a lot on uh, uh, small businesses that support women and youth, that support uh, reduction of uh, environmental risks, ecological scarcities, and those that are there to promote the green economy, and also those that are located in uh, all support the refugee hosting communities, or those that uh, leverage the potential of uh, the refugees themselves to, for the local development. You can see that um, some li lives of the farmers changed. Some of their children used to not to go to school at all. For those that used to send them to school, they used to go to what I would call schools that were not offering them good education services. But now some of them can afford to take them to better schools. They can afford to buy uh, food for their households. They can afford also to save some money to invest in other projects other than agriculture. I want to extend my appreciation to Honey Pride for first of all having opened my eyes in terms of skilling, but also to give market support to us constantly. Whenever that happens, we are able to raise money for school fees, for supporting the family and uh, many other things in my life. So my family actually is benefiting from the support uh, Honey Pride is giving. That's why I want to say thank you to them. This has been the first in our mini-series recorded in northern Uganda. On the next episode, we'll find out how farmers in the north are getting online, even in the most remote regions, and improving their livelihoods as a result. You've been listening to The Lid Is On with me, Connor Lennon. This mini-series was produced with support from the UNCDF in Uganda. Special thanks to Rachel Kenton-Yingi and David Mikhail. <laughs>